Hey everybody, this is Keith Loy. I'm the founding senior pastor of Celebrate Church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and this is our podcast. I just want to say thank you for joining us, and it is my prayer that this week's message will truly encourage you. Enjoy. I am so grateful. If you're a guest joining us, welcome to Rethink, because I think that's what we need to do as God's people. Fair? If you're joining us online, I'm glad that you're joining us online and whatever media you're joining us on, uh, I'm glad that you're with us because this is a time for us to rethink what does it mean to be God's people? What does it mean to be the church in our world? And if I could say this from a positive, here's the deal. Nobody in this room, whatever you've gone through, No pain is so great that God can't use it for eternal purpose. That is a fact of life. We're going to talk about that in a moment. But I also want to say this. No life is so insignificant, God can't use it to be a tool for hope for another person. See, I don't know where you're at. I know we live in a world where people say, well, that's not me. Good, but it could be he. I hear people all the time pointing fingers and saying, but I'm not like them. Good, because God wants you to be you. Every life matters to God, and God has stamped eternity on that life, and the ripple effects of who you can be in Jesus has profound, profound effect and profound impact. And we're going to talk about that. As last week, we sort of, if you will, cast a little vision sort of set up the series. What we're going to do now is paint a picture of what God can do in your life by looking at what God has done in my friend's life. And so I want you to welcome, if you would, Justin Ingalls. I am so glad you're here, my friend. Let's just play a little introduction. Who's Justin Ingalls? Well, good morning, first of all, Keith, and good morning, Celebrate. And uh, so Justin Ingalls is somebody that's very blessed. Yeah, he's, uh, he's blessed with family. I'm blessed with my best friend as my wife, Lynette. Blessed with six children, seven grandchildren. Um, went through life with incredible mentors. Um, we've recently moved back to Sioux Falls. Part of coming back to Sioux Falls was this church um, and being, being part of this. And uh, it was just one more reason that uh, it's the third time we've lived in Sioux Falls and one more reason why we uh, why we've, uh, came back to Sioux Falls. Farm kid, grew up about 100 miles from here and uh, seriously had the best parents I ever could have had. And uh, I, I try to. Um, try to thank them every day. You know, um, Keith, you've heard this, you've heard me say this, but uh, in our home, the words, I love you, were rarely shared, but were always felt. Nobody ever questioned whether we were loved, my sister and I. And uh, the first person as an adult male that told me he loved me was my wife's father, my future father-in-law. And uh, one of the things that I do, you know, work professionally as a, as a sales guy and leadership is a passion of mine. And in an interview, I often asked, and for all you HR folks out there, don't, don't throw things at me, but I often, I often ask, who's the first adult male? Especially if it's a male in the interview, I ask him, who's the first male that told you the words, I love you? And most people have to think about that, have to think about that question. So that's why I say I'm blessed. I'm extremely proud to be here. Call Keith a friend, his family a friend. And uh, just uh, it's a great opportunity to say thank you, Mom and Dad, for making, uh, making me a little bit of who I am. Oh, and probably, maybe, you'll, you'll probably give me a little grief about it, but uh, I, I referee a little bit. Um, have for a lot of years. And I'm so glad you brought this up <laughs> because there, I know there's people out here going, why do I recognize him? 
This is the guy that you have hurled unbelievable profane thoughts, at least in your mind, uh, during a game. Uh, that would be my guess. That's, that's probably true, but what a, great, uh, what a great opportunity and friendships you have in Absolutely. giving something back. And, and uh, officiating sports, officiating has, has meant a lot to me throughout my life. Yeah, I'm sure you've heard some of the most amazing comments. It's amazing how well you have to study the book, but everybody in the stands think they know it. Have you ever noticed that? Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> it's an interesting perspective <laughs> on some of the things you hear. Some of them are, uh, are, are so far from uh, being accurate and being true, it's, it's just got to <laughs> shake your head and move on. So. You know, I also, you, know, you talk about giving you a hard time. You mentioned that your father-in-law said the words to you, I love you. I know your wife. My guess it was in, in the phrase of I love you, he looked at his daughter, looked at you and said, and I also can kill you. I, 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 I've met your wife, so. Yeah. Well, it's not necessarily exactly how it went, but I'm sure somewhere in there he meant that. So one more reason to be blessed, Pete. Amen. Amen, Amen to that. I want to jump right into this, Justin. November 2019, your world changed. Your world was rocked. I'd like to start just walking through up into why we're sitting here today. Can you share that? I can. I, uh, <clears throat> it did change. Uh, wasn't just my world. It was our entire family's world. And uh, it was a, a day that started like many days. I was traveling with work. I actually woke up in Spearfish, South Dakota that morning. Um, Kind of getting the day off and, and running, and my wife and I, we talked on the phone. She called me and she said, hey, uh, um, you know, she teaches yoga in the morning, and she called after that and just said, good morning, I love you, how's things going, did you have a great night? Yep, yep, yep. And we just, random conversation, general conversation, she said, uh, oh, and by the way, um, Kyra, daughter number two of ours, she called and said, Vale, grandson number six um, that live in Fort Collins, Vale was in an accident. I don't know much more about it, but Vale was in an accident. And I said, wow, let's, uh, let's, let's say some prayer. And uh, we did over the phone, and she says, I'll, I'll call you back when, when, and when I know more. And uh, phone rang about an hour later, and she was in absolute tears, my wife was. And uh, words, he's gone. Our little baby's gone. Our beautiful little veil is gone. And uh, what happened, he and his nine-year-old brother were walking to school two blocks away from their home, okay? Didn't have to cross streets. He was in a crosswalk and truly a tragic accident, and I'll, I'll, I'll stress the word accident, but he was hit by a car, and he was run over, and he was killed. Six years old. So yeah, the world changed that day. Um, immediately go into, as a, as a parent, and everybody, this is a statement that's maybe the obvious, but there's nothing horrible, or as horrible, or as awful, as seeing your children hurt. And um, see a lot of heads shaking, yes. But immediately go into, what can we do? How do we take this chaos and turn it into calm? Where do we find comfort in this? Family lives in Fort Collins. They'd recently located there. They'd been there about six or seven months. And it's so amazing to see the comfort that the church, the school, the neighborhood gave our family gave our children, Vale's two brothers, Vale's sister, our son-in-law, our daughter. It's amazing to see that. So it's, um, as, you, as, we, as we think through this, you, know, you can really, really focus on, and you'll probably hear me say this a fair amount, but really can focus on what we lost. We lost a lot. But this little guy was running so far out, and I don't mean that just literally in a crosswalk, 
three steps away from his kindergarten, you know, where he was excited to get and was hit by a vehicle. You know, precious. With life taken. So we got to work through that, right? We got to work through that as a family. So lots of lessons there. Lesson literally started, lessons literally started with the funeral. 1,200 people at the funeral, kids, they're trying to figure out, they're trying to make sense of this, they're trying to grieve, right? School was great, but it literally started at the funeral where Vale, who loved, and tell me which six-year-old little boy doesn't, but a little matchbox car. And it was the family's wishes, our daughter, son-in-law's wishes, that Vale could give something to those kids that attended the funeral. And the pastors that, that officiated the funeral were wonderful. They brought all the kids up for a little kid's mass. And, and every one of those little kids that came up and as the pastors sat with them and they were comforting and there was tears and unbelievable sight, every one of those little kids left with a smile on their face because they got a matchbox car. And uh, so pretty cool, right? So, yep, Vale's gone. We can sit here and, and, and feel sad and we're sad every day that this tragedy or we can choose to move on. So... Um, Part of our mission as a family is to, is, to, is to focus on what we do have in those memories and in those smiles and move forward. So a year and a half ago, you, your wife, your family, you lose a grandchild. And now we fast forward, September 2020. One more time, your world has changed. It has, Keith, and uh, yeah, September 21st to be exact. Um, our only son made a final decision with some really, <clears throat> really temporary circumstances. And he chose to take his life. He completed suicide. <laughs> 34 years old, lots of... Uh, Think of all the great things he's done, short years, all the things he's contributed to in those 34 years. But a lot of pain to, to, to say I, I, I don't and I can't be here anymore was the choice, was the final choice that he made. I don't blame him. I understand how it happened. I understand what happened. But for the life of me, and I don't think I ever will of why it happened. And I ask myself over and over again, carry the guilt of, what if, what should have I, if I only. I feel like a victim when I do that. Um, so we gotta stop that. You know, I, I intentionally try not to think that and once again, focus on what does, what we do have and what we can have. And we're gonna always have those memories, always, Keith. So yeah, our world was rocked, uh, uh, again, and um, one foot in front of the other, lots of faith, you know, lots of trust in, in uh, what we believe in, something way greater. I've heard Keith say this oftentimes, just be a, Earth would be a you know, place that's maybe not so great if we didn't believe in something beyond this. And uh, I hope this series and, and uh, friendships that we have can, can make us do that, Keith. So. So you and I are setting and we're, we're walking through this and talking through this. And this is really where the title of this series came from. I'd been working on it. It's amazing how God is doing some things in my life. There's things that you have faced, unbelievable rocks that have been laid upon your shoulders, things that rock your world, that change your world. We're talking through this and you said those words. And then I wanna, I wanna if you will, talk about another loss that preceded this. You mentioned him a moment ago, your mom, your dad. And we're sitting and talking and you said these words. When you go through something like this, you rethink. 
What is this really all about? What my life can do, the difference it can make, that I can look at what I've lost, but there's something I can do. And that, I remember that word. I mean, it was just like as God just, man, move through your lips into my ears. Rethink. We've got to rethink. Let's talk about your dad. And your dad, when he died, you went to his safe deposit box and had no idea the ripple effects, but the pieces would start to come together. I, I certainly did. And um, <clears throat> we've, we've probably joked about, you know, you and I have, Keith, certainly about, well, what'd you find in that safe deposit box? I said, I didn't find $20 million, <laughs> all right? That I guarantee you. I found something way more valuable than $20 million. Amen. Amen. Sitting on top of that safe deposit box, and my father died three years ago, practically to this week, okay? So this, this was my father past preceding our grandson and, and the loss of our son. So um, he was 89 years old. Wonderful, wonderful. You know, he's one of those guys who was probably born, grew up in the eight, 1900s when he should have grown up in the 1800s, right? You know, it's one of those kind of guys, cowboy kind of guy. But sitting literally, literally sitting on top of that safe deposit box. And I don't know, I'll try to paint the picture. If you pull that long box or they pull that long box out, they leave the key in the top, they set it there and they leave the room in, the, in a church or in a, you know, in the bank. <laughs> Sorry, it was in the bank. We can only Safe hope the bank. church. I don't know. I, <laughs> we hope we turn I those to churches. I That's tried. right. That but was, anyway. okay. So they, and then they leave the room and uh, I flipped open the long lid and literally sitting on the top of that safe deposit box was a handwritten note. And it was on a scrap of an envelope like a manila envelope that something would have come in and as you're sitting at your table in the morning and I could just see my father doing this. My father had, he was left-handed and leathery old hand and fingers the size of bratwurst and he would, he would scratch, yeah, literally. He, would, he scratched out in his writing, he says, I hope the person, I hope the person that this is intended for finds this. That's how the note started. Goes on to say and shares his vision of helping people, of loving people, of providing structure, of providing a place that um, people can contribute to and feel included. Sounds an awful lot like a church, doesn't it? I mean, seriously. You know, um, my dad was the same guy that would always say, church, church is there for those that need it. And don't you forget it, we all need it. That's what, that's what he would say. But the note went on to say, you know, I'm, I'm really sorry that I couldn't complete, couldn't finish my mission. He was a farmer, he was a rancher, and it was always hard, very difficult for my father to find help on the farm, okay? To help with the ranch and the farm. So his idea was to create a place that he could grow people, that he could help people, that he could take, um, give them a responsibility, give them a skill that they can enhance and learn, all in the name of love, all under the, the guise of a smile every single day um, and about contributing. And the note went on and, and, it, and it finished by saying, I know that the person this is intended for will find this note. And the best gift he, my father, could get was to see his vision and his mission and his passion of helping people complete it. So what motivation I have, we lose a grandson, we lose a son, celebrated 89 years of a father's life who cares enough and trusts enough and acknowledges enough and is aware enough to say, I didn't finish what I started, but I can 
touch it, make it better, and pass it on. So it's my vision, and I challenge everybody here that if it's okay, that if something isn't quite right, something doesn't feel right, challenge you to try to help somebody else. My dad did, and I know today, and I understand much more today, the words of touch it, make it better, and pass it on. So dad, thanks for sharing that with me. Thanks for trusting that trust. And we got an awful lot of work to do because I hope to build some, I'll call it uh, some momentum behind some very contagious acts, some places, a place, some atmosphere that we literally, truly can continue to take charge of our own lives in helping people trust Christ and be very, very well as we help people. Let go ahead, absolutely. I want to put some feet under this because it would be very easy for people to listen. Okay, great words, but there's got to be not just marching orders. We've got to start marching. And you and I have been in some conversations over the last multiple weeks not just you and I, other people involved. Are you okay if we kind of play this out, paint a dream a little bit? Can't wait. And so this is, this is changing your life, not just to the point that, I mean, you're wrestling personally and you share as much as you want to of what you can, but you're personally, I mean, this is, this is personal. This isn't something... I want to do on the side. This isn't something that I just want to, I, I mean, I do want to live it out every day, but there, there's some brick and mortar in this thing. And so I'd love to have that conversation if you're okay. And we'll invite them to the table at Perkins and let's just start playing out. What does this look like to you as you start thinking this through? No, it's a, it's a great point. And, and, and I wouldn't be I, I, no, I'll say it this way. Number one, I, number one I, I don't want to make this about me. I don't want to make this about our family, okay? It's way bigger than what us mortals are. I want to just be a little bit of person. I want to be the, the, the person that gives us a little bit of push, a little bit of gas, share the vision. And the vision is really this. is every. It feels like every time I turn around, somebody could be telling the same story I'm sitting up here and telling. I trust there's many people sitting in this audience going, I know what you mean. I understand what you've been through by losing someone that that's close. And it's happening everywhere. And, and I look at it as how do we give help? How do we provide a, 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 literally a building? Maybe it's this building, Keith. I don't know. Maybe it's, maybe it's a place on the farm that uh, becomes a place where we can literally help people. But it has to be more than just, because there's not enough space, right? It has to be a movement. Keith says every single Sunday, this organization, this leadership says every Sunday, church starts when you walk through those doors and you go out there. So I do, I do want to be part of, and I want your feedback, we need your help, of how do we help people upstream, that they don't get to a spot where, where our son got, okay, and many others. So Keith, that's, that's really, I, th I hope in the next months, we've got some really great stories to continue to tell with this. But it is my vision to have place or places that people can get help. We got organizations all across this city, this state, that we can where bring awareness to mental wellness and helping people with that but it's gonna take all of us to do that. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I want you to write something down if you would. There's three things I want you to write down that Justin and I are talking about. And uh, I'm gonna preface it with something that might throw a few of you off, but I think it's okay. I wrap mentors in my life. I always say this, you should never be discipling someone if you're not being discipled yourself. 
I just want you to hear that again. And probably one of the reasons why I think people struggle with discipling others or mentoring others is because they're not being mentored themselves. If you're pouring out, you should always have someone pouring in. It's so important in your life. But that requires vulnerability. I have people that pour into my life. Dr. Todd Bolsinger is one of those. He is a professor at Fuller Theological Seminary. Uh, he's written multiple books. Probably his most famed book right now is called Canoeing the Mountains. It's the story of Lewis and Clark. He equates it back to the church and what we're going through right now in this country. When they were sent out by Thomas Jefferson to begin to navigate the country that we call home, they were doing something no one had ever done. They were paddling upriver, believing to the fact that when they got to the edge of the mountains and to the top of the mountain, they would look over to the other side and they would get in another river and they would go out to whatever, if you will, was on the other side. No one had ever been out to the Pacific Ocean. It's the first time men were doing it in this country. These guys were boatmen. They were not hikers. They were not people of explorers. Everybody was on their team, knew how to paddle a canoe upstream, but they had no idea when they'd have to abandon those canoes. When they got, if you will, out to Montana, they got up in the top of the mountains, they looked over and all they saw was more mountains and they had a choice to make. We have to abandon the canoes and we have to canoe the mountain. They'd never done this before. And they chose the latter. And thank God for that. That's what we're in right now. That's why I make the statements to you. I've been walking with Todd. You and I are in a moment of time in the history of the world. We've never done what we're doing. The Christian faith is standing at the top of the mountains looking out, thinking they were going to see a river and what they saw were mountains. And they'd never done this before. And you know what our natural tendency is to do? Go back, if you will, camp at the river or go back in the canoes and go back down. The only problem it is, is think about what you leave behind. The mountains are ever before us. The church that we've known will not make it in the future. I'm going to say it again. And, and elderly, I want you to listen to this. And it would break my heart if you say, well then, I'm going to leave it to the next generation and God just take me home. Think about standing before God one day and saying, it got too hard for me. I just played the comfort game, shoved it off to the next generation and God, here I am. When Jesus Christ laid his life down for you, and then gave you the spirit of himself and put it in you and said, will you trust me? Not you, not your thinking, not your ideas. Will you trust me? We're canoeing mountains, people. We're canoeing mountains. And Todd Bolsinger said this, your job to lead now. This is what he told me. He and I've been, and I've been sharing my heart and he over and over says, I go around the world. I go across this country. I speak to churches and pastors all the time. He said to me, Keith, right now, you're dead on. Of understanding everything you've read and, and how, you, how you see. I'm not saying that out of arrogance. Wait, listen to this very carefully. Here's what he said to me. You need to keep your foot on the gas, but you need to quit driving the car. That's what he said to me. You need to keep your feet on the gas, but you need to quit driving the car. If the church is gonna make it, the people in your church have to drive the car. And I want you to know, oh, my feet are on the gas. And right now I've seen some of you drive. <laughs> don't you tell me I don't have faith. <laughs> okay. All right. I'm just telling you. All right. I, I really am not as scared of really much anymore, okay? 
I believe this is the greatest opportunity for the church of Jesus Christ, not the church of man, the church of Jesus Christ, to watch the floodgates of heaven open up and see the spirit fall and everything that you're dreaming of can happen. But you've got to step out and we've got to quit fighting for what we've known, fighting for comfort. My dad says this, the days of the comfortable pew are over. The days of the comfortable pure. You can sit there and say, I'm going to stay comfort. I, that fears my heart that you believe in your spirit. You're going to stand before God and you're going to look him in the eye. And you're going to hear him say, well done when you haven't done anything. If that hurts, I'm saying it. I'm only sitting here because the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords sacrificed his very own son. He who knew no sin became my sin and said, I can change the world through you, Keith, if you'll trust me. And when a church comes together in that, and you need to understand, we read about the disciples, but the cost that they gave, we're only sitting here and that cost was worth it. Lost people matter. There is a heaven, there is a hell. And Jesus says, narrow is the gate and few will find it. My first question is, are you one of the few? And how many are you willing and wanting to take with you? The only way that happens, it won't be my might. It won't be by your power. It'll be by spirit of the Lord. And, and it's time. It's time for us to canoe the mountains. It's scary because I've, I've never done it. I'm standing in the mountains looking at you and going, ah, oh, but God's going, come on, come on. And Lewis and Clark, two guys that weren't even godly, two guys went out to the Pacific Ocean and when they got out there and beheld the sun setting, they looked at each other and said, let's go back on a different route. And they split up and they went two different ways. It wasn't enough to go out. Let's go back another way we've never been. And it changed the world. It changed the world. How much greater is the cause of Christ? Now, why do I say this? Write these down, okay? One of the things that Justin and I are talking about, it's a ministry called Take Charge. It's a ministry that God laid on his heart that he owns. I'm putting feet on the gas, but he's driving the car. And it's Take Charge, it's Trust Christ, and it's Teach Care. That's where it's at right now. Take Charge. We do that by teaching people to trust Christ because we're going to need Christ. There's no point, there's no point, if you will, when it comes to mental illness or anything of that nature. Listen, a human healing doesn't help the cause because you can feed the hungry, but the hungry that don't know Christ still in their full tummy die and go to hell. You with me on this? That's why our work in Liberia isn't just to get running water and to educate children, it's to help those young people understand that in all of this, you need to build your life on the foundation of Jesus Christ. Because educated people still go to hell, okay? That's the bottom line. So we wanna help people taking charge. And, and so we need so much work to be done. That's why I, I love all the, the, the incredible work going on in Sioux Falls, but there needs to be more. There needs to be more. The food pantry is not big enough. Let's build another. There needs to be more. You with me on this? All work in that. And one of the things that Justin and I are talking about is how do we do that? Do we, do we take the ranch, his ranch, and turn the barn into a place where, where young people can go and that we can build and they can, because we need more of this. I know this to be true. I talk with so many of our leaders in our city. Do we do, we do this? And where young people can go and they can have incredible counselors that can come along that they too trust Christ. And they help them understand the foundation. But the goal is, ready for this? The goal isn't to get the cast off the leg when it's broken. The goal is to get them using the leg again for the goodness of the grace of God. That's when healing begins, getting them back into the game. All these conversations are happening church. That's what it means. I say this all the time. I do not want the parking lot of this church empty six days a week. I don't want it just full on the weekends. I want this building used 
24 hours a day, seven days a week, or there's no point of owning the building. What do we need to do to serve our city and to make sure the things that we own before God is serving them as well? And we need your help. I'm not driving this. You are. This is no longer a church where I'm the pastor and I'm going to push things down and out. I'm flipping it. I will give my life to holding it up. I will give my life of turning this over and holding it up and breathing wind into your sails and giving our lives away because the cause of Christ matters. You want to change the political structure? Jesus Christ. You want to change the, 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 the mental issues in our world? Jesus Christ. You want to change marriages coming apart? Jesus Christ. Everything is answered in the name of Jesus. And you and I have him here. It's time for us to put him there and let's go out into the world. The gospel of Jesus Christ, what are the two, for, or the word gospel, what's the first two letters? The word good, he's a good God, what's the first two letters? The name of God, what's the first two letters? Anything less is none of those. He's a good God and the gospel is good because the gospel is God. And the great commission is that we go, we go. With the name of Jesus, he said, you lift me up, I will draw. I can't do it, I can't change a life. But the one I speak of can. And he's good, amen? Amen. Justin, I wanna come back to you. What do you wanna add to that? And then I have another question, one last question for you. I think you have, this, org, this church, the leadership here with the passion, um, the challenge you put out last week to rethink, uh, to trust Christ, take charge of some situations and trust Christ with those situations. Um, don't miss it. Let's not miss it, okay? Not for me, not for Vail or Son, no. Okay, what a, what a blessing we get to see Vale smile again through somebody else. Austin's helping kind words through somebody else. And every, there could, be, there could be hundreds and hundreds of people sitting in this same chair telling the same story. Okay, so it's not about, please, it's not about that. Put your hand down. Keith talks about mentors all the time, but put your hand out put it down to somebody and bring somebody on. Recognize it. I was sitting backstage with somebody right before we walked out here and gentleman that I admire, extremely wise, said it's okay to ask for help. It's okay. When somebody's hurting, it's okay to ask for help. It just shows that there's an, when you ask for help, there's an awareness that we're just merely a human being, right? And, and we will be pointed in the direction of trusting Christ with that. The only other thing I'd say, Keith, is um, as we come across ideas and your passions, let's, let's figure out how we can do it together. Mm, um, you know, nobody's, I, one thing I know, well, there's two things. Maybe it's only two things I know, Keith. But, but no, number one, I don't have all the answers. And number two, I'm never going to give up trying. I'm not going to quit on this. Oh, say that again. Say that again. <laughs> so, so you only want, <laughs> you really want me to, there's only two things I know. That's really what he's asking. <laughs> so it's only say two things again. I know. Okay. There's, there's, there's really only two. I don't have all the answers. And I'm never going to give up trying, ever. Amen to that. That is so good. That is so good. And and that's that's the piece. When you come across somebody, tell them you love them. Make sure they understand that they're loved not only by you, but many others too. So, How many, how many right now in this room, by a show of hands, would say, I know exactly what Justin's been talking about. I have felt that. I know someone. It's been, very, it's been very near my family. 
Wow. You know, Justin, I'm, I'm, I'm smart enough to know in this room, especially in this world today, when I think about people who feel like there's no hope. There's no hope. And I'm, I'm sure there's somebody in this room that right now, they might have been entertaining thoughts. I, I'm not needed anymore. I'm not wanted. What would you say to them right now? At first, Keith, clearly tell them that they're loved. I'd use the words, I love you. You know, I, you heard me joke about it before. I grew up in a household where I didn't hear those words. That's not poor me, okay? Love was everywhere. <laughs> didn't need to be told it. But some of the guilt that I carry with our son is he didn't hear those words enough. Let's not miss those opportunities. So let's make sure that we're sharing love, we're telling love, and we're showing love, okay? Mm -hmm. and, and, and that's, I, I, you're always, Keith says it way better than I do, but things that he says about giving and what we get in return once we give, the rewards that come with that, giving something that comes back tenfold, whatever that is, those are the opportunities. And when, you're, when things seem so desperate and so, so dark, um, the, the, love is a flashlight, giving back is a flashlight, caring is a flashlight to light that path in those dark spots. That's my advice. It's simple. None of this is, you know, I hope, none of this is new, right? It's things we know. Now let's practice them. Romans 8 says, and we know that God causes everything. God does this. God wants to do this. God can do this. We know. That's the confidence. That's the assurance. That's what it means to walk and be a follower of Jesus. We know that God causes everything to work together for the good. Everything. That's why I said at the beginning, no pain is so great that our God cannot turn it for unbelievable eternal purpose. No pain, no loss that God can't breathe victory into it. That's who he is. No life, no life is insignificant in the hands of God. Care less what man says. No life. He says this, I, if I could personalize it, God saying it, I can cause everything to work together for my good if you will love me. If you will love me. Paul goes on to say, because God knew his people in advance before they were even born and he chose them to become like his son. And having chose them, he called them. He called them. We say it all the time. It's going to be throughout this series. I'm so indebted to Pastor Carmen. What's that chip in your pocket? It's not interested, in, and I'm not interested in what you've put in and said I'm all in. It's that one chip that God knows you keep holding on to. Is it a fear? It's time. Throw it in. What's keeping you? from stepping out, that you keep choosing to stay comfortable. It's so much easier to, to assume church is what I go to. It is not. How many people came up and said, when are we going to reopen the doors of our church? And I said, they were never closed. The doors of this church were never closed, people. Because the doors of the church are right here. Wherever my feet go. That's why I said that COVID didn't change us. It exposed us. That's why I'm rethinking and stopping. Why have we assumed that church is on the weekend? When did we ever get to the point to assume that church is at 10 o'clock on Sunday? Or whatever time on Saturday? The church of Jesus Christ is to be in our heart. 
wherever we go. And church isn't about come and see. It's about go and be the hands and feet of Jesus. So what is that chip that keeps you comfortable? And God's saying, come on, let's step out. It's time for you to be like my son, Abraham. It's time for you to put it all behind and let me show you who I am. That's what he said to Moses. What shall I tell him? You just tell him I am. Remember what he said? Moses, you go, you go. And you tell Pharaoh, let my people go. What's the chip? What's the chip? What's the idea that you've been holding on to, that dream that you have, but you keep thinking, boy, if I share that, people think that's stupid. Maybe in your humanity, you thought, well, how how would I even make a living doing that? How would that even work? That's a chip. God's saying, put it in, cash it in. Well, God, you show me first. And he's like, no, 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 no. I've already shown you by giving my son and him rising from the dead. I don't need any more of that to show you. That's what Jesus said. I'm not going to show you any more miracles. Why? You're chasing the entertainment of who I am. You need to experience who I am. What's the chip? What's the chip that you keep justifying your life, but there's a dream? And God's saying it's time. It's time for us to throw them in, people. That's why the word this week that we want to give you to put on your dashboard. We talked about repentance. It starts with us. The one this week is the word think. Small I. Sandwiched in between. It's time for us to think. What could God do? What could God do? Justin, I want to thank you for coming and just being an unbelievable broken man before a group of broken people and saying, and I hope they see it. God, you're one of those. God, I want to send me, send me, send me wherever I'm at. And, uh, I won't pray for you, I want to pray for us, but would you thank Justin for being here? Would you do that? Father, I thank you for my friend. I thank you for his love for you and his heart. God, dreams that get shattered, things that we would have never even wanted for not alone, let alone for ourselves, but for anyone. God, for he and his wife. Imagine how many conversations they held each other's hands. How many prayers. God, we want to use this. We want you to take this paint and show us how we can use it for your good. How many tears they've shed and cried representing so many of us in this room. Behind closed doors and in the quiet of their own walk with you crying out and saying, God, show me, lead me. I love it when he says to me over and over, it'd be so easy to sit and meditate and focus on what I've lost. But I'm not alone, Keith. I'm not alone in this. I want to take it and to breathe life into someone else. And to give his life away. Lord, that's why he's on this stage right now. How quickly when I invited him, he said, absolutely, I'm there. But God, that's true for all of us. 
I think we can all agree this side of heaven is not an easy walk. It's hard to even try to grasp sometimes the things that we go through. And I get the frustrations and I get the pain. I've been there. I walk it as well. But God, you are a good, good father. And you don't abandon us and you've not failed us. Whether we understand it or not, if we will choose in loving you, you can take all things and use it. That's the key word. Use it for good. God, I pray for that right now for someone in this room. What's that chip they're holding on to? I get it. There's a sense of security in holding on. I get it. You're not mad at him for it. You understand it. There's a security in what we've known, where we've been. It's scary when we look out into a horizon, down a road we've never walked. I wonder about Lewis and Clark. I'm very confident they had those thoughts too. Let's just get back in the canoe and paddle home. It'd be a whole lot easier going downriver rather than going against it. But they chose something different, something unknown and difficult. How much greater is the landscape before us than just the landscape that they had before them? God, give us their heart, your heart, to be pioneers, to take the risk, to step out, in the unknown, knowing this, God, whatever's unknown to us is still known to you. Which means that's why we can walk in confidence. God, I pray through this series that in all this week, we will think. We'll look at our dash, wherever we put these cards. I pray that people would take multiple. They would see them everywhere they turn. That God, they would re-engage their thoughts They'd let you fill them with dreams. They'd rekindle something that they'd set aside and they would just think about what you can do. They'd start writing them down and journaling again and sharing them with, with all of us here. That Lord, someone, they can pass it on. They can touch it. They can make it better. They can pass it on. They can touch it. They can make it better. They can pass it on. It's time for us to take charge. And I pray this in the name of Jesus. And everyone says, amen. amen. Well, thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past messages. And if you like what you're hearing, consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. It helps so much. You know, you can click the share button, take a screenshot and share it on your social stories and tag us at Celebrate Church. For more content from Celebrate and to connect with us, go to celebrate.church. We love you and we believe in you. God bless. God bless.